Everything in life is story. Story is how we share ideas, politics, vision, fantasies, experiences, even our hopes and dreams. The Gibson Gazette is a podcast show devoted to story. Those we consume, those we tell ourselves, and those told to us. Hello, 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 my people. It's AMC and Marie Collymore here, and I'm joined by my illustrious and lovely co-host, Mr. LMG, Mr. Gibson. How you doing? Yeah, this is your co-host, L. Michael Gibson, and I am lit. (laughs) (laughs) And he's going to blame it on me in five, four, three, two. I mean, it is kind of your fault. Like, I'm on vacation, people. I have uh, quit a job that I should never have to accept it in the first place. So, like, three months ago, I made a major announcement that I was, like, a director of development and... Um, education for a national nonprofit. And I realized why I had worked for myself for seven years prior to accepting this role. I don't actually like working for people. <laughs> like, 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 I think having to have a set time every day to wake up and go to bed is ghetto. Like, I don't, I don't like it. I don't, I don't, having to be up and be in a cute shirt early in the morning when you ain't really feeling it, but you got to be on camera. It's, it's too, it's, it's giving too much. Mm. And I know that that's kind of first world privilege kind of a thing because, you know, it's not like I had to go into an office. I was doing it on a Zoom. Yeah. And it was still, it was still giving, it was still giving, I don't like this. It's not for me. Well, you know, when it gives, I don't like this, you know what you got to do, right? Yeah, I gave 30 days. Yeah. Yeah. Boom. I gave 30 days and I, and I left. <laughs> That's it. That's it. So, you know, I was, I was sober. I was, I was, I was very sober for the day. And then I started, I was like, oh, I don't actually have to be anywhere in the morning. I don't actually have to be on the call. Like, so here's the shade about like my vacation was supposed to start on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. I've been sending clients contracts and invoices and yes. having meetings because, you know, a I still got to eat, right? I still got to like pay rent. Those bills. Pay my staff. Right. <laughs> Those, the, the bills don't care that I think they're getting up at a certain time is ghetto. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the bills. Exactly. The, the, the bills is given. You better figure it the fuck out. That's <laughs> so, right. That's right. <laughs> that is right. So, so, you know, I had to, you know, so I was like, I'm on vacation for me. I'm going to be on vacation. It's going to be just me not doing anything. No, that's not what has happened in the last three days. The last three days has been. <laughs> scopes of work and meetings with future clients and like locking stuff in to make sure everything is locked and copacetic so sweet sweet. so i was like okay this is my first evening where i really don't have anything to do tomorrow and on friday mornings usually in my old job not like to my old job and my old job was like (laughs) very early in the morning um staff meeting Mm-hmm. Right. And I was like, oh, bitch, I didn't got no staff meeting. I just got to record with AMC. I'm like, let me get this good, good rum, bitch. Let me get this good, good cocktail mm. setup. Mm. So I'm like, so I'm like sipping, waiting on AMC. She supposed to take like five, 10 minutes. So then, know, like 15 no minutes later, I had like sipped all of this cocktail. So I wonder what, bitch, let me go ahead and make a second one. It's okay. AMC going to mm. be here any minute. Three cocktails and forty-five minutes later, <laughs> AMC decides she wants to roll. 
<laughs> so yes, the state that I am in, which should provide shenanigans and antics to this podcast, is all uh, a result of AMC. <laughs> you're welcome, y'all. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm singing lettuces. I blame you. That's oh what's happening. God. Oh my God. It's, this is gonna be sweet. Sweet. Mm-hmm. So Liz, child. Well, well, go ahead and tell us what you're checking out, Miss AMC. What, what what are you consuming over the last couple of weeks? And I, I guess we should give an apology. Like I think we I think at this point is giving we owe the public an apology. We're supposed to do this every two weeks. That's what yes. it's supposed to give. We're supposed to be very disciplined and adulting. Yes, yes. But AMC and I have had life happen. Like my week will have life happen, and I'm like, okay, girl, we're gonna do it next week. And then AMC be like, oh, child, life happened for me this week. We're not going to do it, <laughs> Let's do it next week. <laughs> so, unfortunately, that happened like three weeks in a row. And so, we are like super behind on schedule. So, we recognize that y'all are probably irritated with us because y'all wanted more of Gibson Gazette, right? right? But we love you. We love you. We do love you. And we will try to be better about our adulting responsibilities moving yes. forward. Yes, yes, and yes. So, AMC, what is your check-in given? So I have kind of like a mashup. I'm going to do real quick, quick, quick. So right now I'm on my petty, like Drake. I'm on my petty and I'm, I'm going to shout it out from the top of the CN Tower here. Because I, I know you guys are up on this little kiki joke joke. It, I, I figured let me just start on a little kiki today, right? Because I'm tickled. And um, I realized that my Gemini twin was just a bit too thrilled for his behavior. This was just so petty. Um, so Drake came with all his petty and he it all started with a comment that he wrote on someone's page it was a discussion that was going on some basketball thing right so mr drake went on to explain that the person or the player that they were talking about he was rooting for his son so drake said that he would be like that with his son even if it was a rubik's cube competition that you have to understand that the father was just very hype and he was supporting his son so some troll underneath his message wrote uh your your son probably plays with ghost writers okay oh. so i was like ooh, 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 ooh. so drake did the only thing that he thought was right and he went and he followed the man's wife <laughs> oh He went and followed the troll's wife. And he told him that she may need a little excitement in her life. And he dead ass went and really followed this woman. So it's been nonsense since then. Like the troll dude was sweating for a minute. He's like, yo, he really followed my wife, guy. (laughs) It was this whole thing. And um, the troll's wife, I think it was today. She's a digital creator herself. But she put up a point list in her stories stating that she had to clear some stuff up, that she never asked Drake to follow her, but they're enjoying the five minutes of fame that, of course, she knows will flicker away, and they're cool with that. They're having fun. It's pure jokes. Like, don't take it so seriously. Mm. It's all good, whatever, whatever. So for me, I was like, the moral of the story is keep my child's name out of your damn mouth, regardless of any beef that you have with anyone. Once you start talking about people, kids... Mm-mm, it's over. Yeah, the, the babies need to be off limits. That's, yeah. that's that's like old school. That's right? old school. The babies are right. Off so don't don't even go there. So Drake and his petty. I was like, dude, 
I don't always have your back, but I got you on this one. High five for this one. Really, I mean, this was a good week for him. Drake also got a reported $400 million new deal. From Universal, Um, yep. Yeah. I mean, I'm still trying to understand. Like, I promise you I'm not a hater. (laughs) I promise you I'm not. I think we're I, I just don't... Get it? I don't. I don't get it. I, don't, I, I like. I like. I think Drake is moderately talented, maybe, mm. but not. Not that he should have all of these charting. I mean, obviously, if we actually had to pay for Drake's music, it might be a different conversation. But since we don't actually have to pay for Drake's music, <laughs> Drake, Drake actually gets to have these kind of records on billboards for charting because of the streaming that y'all do for his free music. Like it's giving y'all think he's good for free, but not good for pay. Um, I don't like, I just think he's okay. Like I, you know, there's a couple of Drake songs that I've liked over the years. I'm not going to act like I have like disliked everything that the man has done. Mm -hmm. But when I put him up against the goats that I grew up with, Mm-mm. You know, it's given, you know, I know I sound like an old ass man right now and I am approaching the centennial in three years. So that might that might be apropos, <laughs> like, like my half centennial, you know, my 50th is like two and a half years away. But it's like how mm-hmm. how compared to Jay-Z or Nas or Rakim or Chuck mm-hmm. D. I mean, it's like how <laughs> like, you don't even have to say it twice. Trust, I told you we're in the same boat. I'm not. My sis is a hardcore like she used to be, anyways. Now she told me she's kind of falling off, but back in the day, like she was at his concert. She was like she was a Drake chick. Like she loved her Drake. Me, on the other hand, would just give her the whole you know rock eyebrow and be like, get out my face. Because I'm not doing this. But again, there are some tracks that bump hard. I'm not listening to Drake mm-hmm. for lyrics. I'm not. Let's just let's just put that out there. That's not happening. But um, he does have some grooves that go hard. And he has some duets that go hard. So I'm not even going to, like, you know, I can't sing him on that. Um, but there's no comparison. Um, who was it? There was somebody in the news the other day that had said that the new and upcoming rappers were better than it was some young and of course than the old cats that were out. Uh, somebody because said that they don't the know country. the old cats for real. They don't well, know old cats albums. to them is is literally Jay Z. I'm talking like you know what I mean. Like don't I mean me hell, wrong, old cats Jay-Z. to some of them is Lil Wayne for real. Why exactly, exactly that. So you know if you're not gonna go beyond that, then I got news for you. Don't know what to tell y'all. Um, I mean, better than mumble rappers, sure. <laughs> you know, how don't get me started. Don't get me started. I mean, if you want to talk about like better than a generation of rappers, maybe better than the millennial rappers, sure. I give mm. them, you know, but I, I just, I, 400 million? I mean, it's, and so let's just say, I mean, this is, this is kind of, this is shade. I'm about to give a little generational shade. Mm. This is reminding me of when they get that, um, multi what was a nine figure deal with mariah carey after she had already done like her 10 years of her best music yeah yeah right like even if you like what's the what's the chances that drake's next 10 years are gonna be as epic as his last 10 they're gonna be like even stevie wonder (laughs) like right like even stevie wonder's 70s run 
is indisputably, indisputably better. Even though I love In a Square Circle and Woman in Red, you know, but it's still indisputably better than his '80s run. Of course, like, it's not even it's not even up for debate, right? right? So, so if Stevie Wonder's first ten year, you know, like ten year epic run, mm-hmm. like like it just doesn't. The math ain't mathing. <laughs> <laughs> like, right, like right. You're, you're you're investing in the idea that Drake is going to be as relevant and as significant and as powerful Sir. on the charts over the next ten years as he was over the last ten. And it's just Sir. I don't I don't see it. I don't see. If, I mean, it's not even going to be true for like a Beyonce or a Rihanna. Like, so I don't really see it for Drake. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I mm, uh, yeah. Mm, mm. I think that's a whole other conversation. I know, right? So we digressed, like y'all. That, that was all unscripted. It really was <laughs> because it was. because I'm because I am tipsy. This may be a very unscripted conversation, even though we have scripts, <laughs> right? But that's all good. Just layer on the flavor. Right. But let me just exactly. add on top of that, please, y'all people, especially my Ozark lovers, if y'all did not watch this damn season series finale, that just. Drop on Netflix. I don't know what to tell you. It's done. I screamed at my television during the last episode. Watch the damn thing. And I'm also late to the party, but I'm finally starting Snowfall. And I'm so excited. Just from a clip that I saw Dameson do that was posted on Shadow and Act. Oh, my God. His caliber of acting looks phenomenal. I don't know if y'all watch Snowfall. But I'm going to start that. And that's it for me. That's funny, considering that he had a little kerfuffle with Denzel Washington around acting. And Denzel tried to, like... Kind of shade him on his acting. Right, <laughs> right. I was like, that's not nice, Dancy. Denzel uncled him a little bit. It was like, that mm. just, you ain't got to do that to that baby. He don't know mm-hmm. better. Mm-hmm. I, I'm actually waiting for Snowfall's final season, and then I'll binge the whole thing like I did Breaking Bad after it was canceled. Certain shows I know I that I would it. rather like. Well, no, I, it's, I don't want to wait week to week. Um, like I didn't want to wait week to week for Lost. I watched Lost as a binge. I, I didn't want to wait oh, week to week okay. for um, gotcha. for Breaking Bad. I mean, certain things. I'm also like I'm weird. You know, I'm a little bit of a contrarian. So, you know, if everybody's on some shit before I'm on the shit. I may be like, you know what? I'm gonna wait. <laughs> I don't. Like I, I don't. Like, like I like to try to be on the shit before the people are on the shit. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. Snowfall has always been on my radar, but I just never got to it. They're what? They're on the last season now, aren't they? Didn't it start already? The fifth one? Fifth yeah, season? yeah, yeah. Right. But I, so I think I'm starting from season one. But is this one. the last one? From what is this I read, the last I one? So. I thought. It, well, I thought this. I thought. I thought they had one more after this. Well, maybe I'm have to look you that can look up. it up while. Yeah, yeah, look it up while I'm doing my little check-in. So my check-ins are memoirs of what I'm checking out. So I just finished Harvey Firestein's I Was Better Last Night, a oh. memoir, and have started the life of one Miss Viola Davis in Finding Me. Now, I'm grateful for the refresher on Firestein's amazing career. For those of you who may not know who Harvey Firestein is, because, you know, he's white. Y'all don't be checking for white people like that. Um, <laughs> but, but his, you know, too often my mind just goes to his early pioneering theater, theater work and films with such theatrical productions as Torch Song Trilogy. If you've not seen it, gift yourself an opportunity to watch Torch Song Trilogy. It's an early uh, queer film, and it was amazing. So hilarious. And um, his off-Broadway production of Safe Sex. And, of course, the 80s Torch Song film starring Matthew Broderick in a role that considered that is considered brave, or was considered brave, like it wouldn't be considered brave today, but back in the 80s, 
when the people were like Mark Hamill, like ruined his career doing making love in 82. Matthew Broderick was at the top of his game when he decided to do um, towards some trilogy. So it was considered brave for him in that career to play a gay man and Harvey's lover in the film. Um, I performed some scenes from Tort Song when I was on a competitive forensics team and took a gold and silver medal that year in Illinois for state for my performances of Queer Works from James Baldwin's Tell Me How Long the Train's Been Gone and Firestein's Tort Song Trilogy. So the film always has a special place in my heart. Firestein, however, has done considerably more than Tort Song. He wrote or co-wrote the uh, books for such hit Broadway shows as La Caja Fall, Hairspray, and Kinky Boots. All Tony Award-winning smashes. Those residual coins are cute. <laughs> like them, every time they license for those shows, Miss Harvey Stars thing gets a check. Um, he also started as a feature player or actor in innumerable films and television shows throughout the 90s and early aughts and is the above the marquee star of Hairspray and Fiddler on the Roof, among other Broadway hits. I love the behind the scenes dish in the memoir and hearing about his various relationships, which no shade. I you know he was like having all these relationships with people um, yeah. and overcoming alcoholism. Yeah. Which also did not know I didn't realize he had um, he had had that issue, but it was a fun memoir ride that left me with nothing but you know mad respect for Firestein. I'm hopeful that Viola's finding me will do the same <laughs> because I'm gonna need something to cleanse my palate mm. of her caricature performance of Michelle Obama in Showtime's new series, the F- series The First Lady, also starring Michelle Pfeiffer as Betty Ford and Gillian Anderson as Eleanor Roosevelt. If you'd asked me sight unseen who was gonna pull out the best performance there, I would have said Davis. But it's Pfeiffer's Betty Ford that's stealing the show. Mm. I'm thoroughly impressed with her, um, or with her Ford and Anderson is matching the formidable energy and nature of Eleanor Roosevelt, even if for real, for real, she is too beautiful for the role of a woman whose physical plainness plays such a critical role in shaping her interests and the direction of her life. In any case, Davis is giving me John Crawford Kabuki theater makeup, a distracting lip pursing like an elder whose gums just got taken out of their mouth. Shamed. Um, <laughs> like the dentures just came up. Oh, you're right. Like them just... Right, them dentures just came falling, and so she keep pursing them lips like them dentures just came out. Um, not to mention, fifty-six year old Davis is too old for the fourteen-year-old extended flashbacks that the show in, enjoys of a much younger Michelle Obama. Now, for real, for real, Michelle and, and Davis are only two years apart. But when you're going back fourteen years and still using fifty-six year old Davis, that don't work. <laughs> like, especially when you pair her with the 48-year-old OT um, Fagbenelli. I thought that's how we say his name. He's like, it's F-A-G-B-E-N-L-E. You know, we mess up names on this show all the time. Um, but it's giving auntie and nephew tees in those scenes that are supposed to have the famously sensual first couple marked as red-hot lovers. Now, everyone slips from time to time. So Davis is owed this moment, um, you know, in her career to have this slip. Of, of greatness, <laughs> but you do wonder why none of the directors stopped her during filming once they watched the dailies. It's giving she had no real friends on that set. In mm-hmm. any case, Finding Me is starting really well. I'm being introduced to a level of poverty that I'd only seen in Gordon Park's photos, but apparently Davis lived. 
Um, and I say this as someone whose origin story was episodically steeped in urban poverty in Chicago in the 1980s and early 90s. But even I was clutching the pearls at her rats and roaches stories. Um, <laughs> so I'm looking forward, you know, after we get past the abuse and the traumas, I'm looking forward to equally feeling emotional about her triumphs as an actress and our grand dame, um, not just of the black community, but of the acting community, period. So that's what I'm checking out. Finding Me by Viola Davis. And I um, really did enjoy it. I was better last night by Harvey Firestein. Finding Me is in um, my queue for one of my next books that I want to read. I bought myself a new iPad um, last mm. month. And, and here I am skipping over um, the books, the library part. And I said, oh, let me just, I clicked it the other day. And I'm like, holy shit. It's like Library Central in here. Now, I am old school. I like to hold a book. I like it tangible. I like, you know, do my doggy ears and my highlights and all of that good stuff. But I live in a small-ass condo in Toronto, so there's no space <laughs> for bookshelves. Okay, let's just keep it real. My books are downstairs in the locker. So I figure that I'm going to have to start buying books anyway. I don't want to do it on i on on anything Apple because you know all of them and they're keeping this and I can't do that can't upload PDFs. I have some books that are on PDF, so I'm thinking of getting a Kobo. However, I still started a couple of books, and Finding Me is in my queue, so I am looking forward to um, to reading that. I have not watched the show yet because of all the clips I've seen, and she does look like a caricature of. Um, of Michelle Obama, and it hurts every time I see it. It hurts. It, it hurts just, you. Imagine yeah, what it looks man. like for Viola Davis if she ever has to be in a room again with Michelle Obama. Can you imagine oh, that conversation? My <laughs> God. Child, no. 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 Baby, I would be ducking and dodging Miss Michelle for the next 10 years before I would be in a room with Michelle again after doing that performance. No, ma'am. Hell yes. And you know what pops into my mind is the fact that, you know, timing is everything. So I'm sure they released the book in tandem with that show coming out because it's, you know, one, two, three. Exactly. Like, okay, we're going to write it on that. And for the show to be doing, like, getting those kind of reviews. I'm hoping, and your be your book better be on point to you know, so people can kind of erase all of that mess from their brains. Because yeah, it just. I mean, I think I, I enjoyed her. Like she did a, a one on one with Oprah that's on Netflix. Yes, um, yes. In which she talked about some of the stuff in the book. So. You know, and even Oprah was doing like I was doing. She was like, I grew up poor, but you grew up poor, poor. <laughs> like, oh, shit. Yeah. My God. So, you yeah, know, we all were like, yeah, there are levels to this poverty game, maybe. Um, so, yeah, I mean, even Oprah was kind of like clutching the pearls like I was when I was listening. I, so I'm doing the audible. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm a weird nerd. So because of my time, mm. you know, I generally don't have time to do a physical book in my hands, though I like having them. So I do have a massive lending library here in Merida where I, because of my library size, I do lend out books to people in the community um, and they return them. They're pretty good about it. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, like I have like five, seven foot shelves um, that are chock full of books and that's just upstairs. That's not even counting the books that are downstairs on shelves. So, yeah, I mean, I have a ridiculous number of books. It is, it is, it is an illness. <laughs> it's not one I recommend. It's a very expensive illness <laughs> to maintain. Um, but I did, you know, so I'll listen to the Audible, and if I like the Audible, I'll buy the physical copy. 
And uh, so that's okay. what I've done with um, Bo Finding Me and um, Harvey Firestein. So they're both on the shelves for the library for my community to check out. But I'm listening to the actors read their own words, which I enjoy. I yeah, enjoy Firestein but- giving his performance about his life and Dave Viola doing the same. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nice. Dope. Like it, like it. So, so we are on loving it. Um, opening with those stories that are positive that we absolutely love and recommend people check out. Um, but before we do that, let's make sure um, before we ruin all of your experiences with us that you like, support, subscribe, follow, <laughs> and check us out <laughs> on all of the platforms. So make sure that you're. Um, you know, you're following and subscribing it. And if you can comment on us, um, maybe not this episode, but another episode (laughs) 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 where we were sober. Yes. Where we were sober and adulting. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It sounded more like NPR, right? Like, so, you know, give, we were giving that. Um, So AMC, what are you loving? Um, right now, I'm going to say that I'm loving Revenge of the Black Best Friend. Uh, that is a like I just wrote a piece about it actually on um, buyblacks.com. So as usual, we'll drop the link when we do all our fancy uploading and stuff. So, uh, Revenge of the Black Best Friend is actually a digital series on CBC Gem, CBC, which I've mentioned before, is the Canadian Broadcasting. I don't even remember what it, the last word is. That's horrible. Uh, I'm think I'm hoping it's channel or corporation. Corporation. That's it. Thank you. Right. Um, but of course, CBC. That's what we call it here. So CBC Gem, which is the digital branch of CBC. But you can also actually you can't anymore because it had already um, played uh, last month. But this series is the brainchild of creative. Um, Amanda Paris and Amanda is very dope peoples. She has done a lot, a lot on the arts end. She's the host of a few shows up here, CBC Arts Exhibitionist. You would love that show, LMG. It's very mm. much about our arts. Um, you can still find everything, all of these things on CBC Gem. And most likely on YouTube, you can find clips. Um, if you find CBC uh, and look for arts exhibitionists. Exhibitionists is was about the underground art sector in Toronto, um, the filmmakers, and from the vaults. And she's also the radio host of Marvin's Room. Marvin's Room is awesome, where she digs deep into um, R and B and um, soul, and talks about the you know backstories behind songs, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So her play, uh, um, Other Side of the Game, was awarded the Governor General Literary Award for Drama. Uh, That was in 2019. And she just recently, and I'm talking last month, won three Canadian Screen Awards. So that's an equivalent to maybe your Emmys. Um, She's an educator, researcher, an actor, and a community organizer. She does not play. Just returned from... uh, can series the can series festival um and revenge of the black best friend was actually presented for um short form competition so trust me when i tell you i think you guys would love this um i was invited to to the premiere last month and it was a night of laughter tears and that was from the laughter and screaming at the screen. So I felt like a kid again where <laughs> it was a theater full of black people 
black and white, but it was a heavy theater full of black people, excuse me, screaming and carrying on. And and the screen was just catching heat. It was hilarity. Uh, The response was just absolutely fantastic. So the show is layered. And it's an amazing piece of work. It teams with satire, comedy, um, social prejudices, and the lead character, uh, Dr. Tony Shakur, gives it to you straight, no chaser. It's pure jokes. So the episodes touch upon the biases that Black actors deal with daily. And we're not thinking just in the Canadian platform. We're thinking Hollywood, Canada. I mean, it could be a universal platform, really. But think of the first person to die in a horror film is always the Black character, if there is one, right? So think that. And she also tackles the fine line of stereotypical tropes that are um, usually handed down in Hollywood. You usually play the gangster. You play the pimp. The same shit all the time. So it's brilliantly written. And it's amazingly presented. And um, I think she deserves all the accolades. So watch it. Um, She, as I said, doesn't only touch upon Canadian perspectives. If you loved um, Astronomy Club, I loved that show. I was really, really vexed that it got cut and canceled after the first season. Um, I thought it was hilarious. I thought Ice Cube Day had me in tears. I loved that show. And if you like, you know, sketch shows, in, in in its entirety you would love 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 the show so check it out you will find it on cbc gem if you guys in the americas and the uh uh american syndicates there if you guys can get in and uh um make accounts and do all of that on cbc arts because i know the internet can be funny then go right ahead and do so if not i would say to check youtube but at least we'll drop the link for the trailer so you can check it out Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, and I think we might have gotten away from <clears throat> the trope of the black person dying early in a horror movie. I think even the whites are now aware that they can't kind of pull that off anymore. It That's was cool. all true, like from like the 60s through the 90s. Mm. But um, I think I think it's gotten a little better about that in more recent years. Um, but yeah, I look forward to checking that out. And, you know, I love a foreign um I love a foreign show. You know, I'm 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 a total Anglophile when it comes to BBC shows. I know you so, are, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um and I do check out a few Canadian shows. I'm not I'm not a, 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 a immune to the Canadian influence. Um, well, that sounds awesome. We got to check that out. Um, so on a different front, while most of the headlines regarding the 1980s reign of the Lakers has been about the controversial HBO Max series Winning Time, the real MVP about that era and its stars lives on Apple+. Plus. They Call Me Magic is a time portal back to the Lansing, Michigan childhood, Lakers dominance, and the will-he-won't-he romance with Cookie, as well as the ultimate AIDS hero and business maverick life of one Mr. Irving Magic Johnson. No way. The series, yes, way. <laughs> I didn't even hear about this. I think I was so locked in on the uh, Lakers legacy thing that they're doing on HBO. I completely forgot yeah, that one. Which is kind of unfortunate and sad because I think that um, this series is as, as compelling as the Jordan one. I mean, obviously, the Jordan really? one was longer. And certainly much more detail, but you know, Jordan is also just like 
fundamentally not a nice guy. (laughs) 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 I mean, like, I mean, I think that's what I walked away from the series thing. Oh, he's an asshole. Um, You know, like he's a successful asshole. He's an incredible aspirational figure, but he's Mm -hmm. also an asshole. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I did not walk away from that feeling about Irvin Magic Johnson. Um, This docuseries is unflinching, though, and it's look Mm -hmm. at the heights, the highs and lows of the life of Magic Johnson as a basketball player. Mm-hmm. As a fuckboy to Cookie, mm. um, as a father to both his inside and outside marriage sons, including his queer namesake mm-hmm. um, and adopted daughter, the inside track of his HIV journey from diagnosis um, and ultimately his position as one of the franchise pioneers of urban business with the Magic Johnson Theaters, yeah. which incidentally folks thought would fail, mm. Starbucks and mixed-use affordable real housing, real estate, and retail ventures across the country. Oh, wow. The exceptional friendship between he and Isaiah Thomas of the Detroit Pistons is covered. Were? Songs. Songs, the rumors that they were ever lovers, mm-hmm. which is what I grew up hearing <laughs> yeah. in the gay community back in the early 90s. Oh, yeah, I heard we throw it allegedly there, because we don't know. This is, again, a rumor. Mm-hmm. Um, but their, re- you know, so what their epic breakup due to basketball competitiveness is what the story we've been told um, is what ended their friendship, but their reunion was not covered though. It was kind of alluded to, right? Like it was alluded that they had somehow recovered at some point, but they didn't go into the details about that as they did about the friendship and the breakup. Mm. Um, Though it was more tearfully covered in recent years outside of this documentary, there's YouTube video of magic and, you know, Isaiah crying and making up, um, that came out like in the last three years. Um, however, the shade <laughs> that I did not know was how badly he treated his college sweetheart Cookie for nearly a decade mm. and how he just in timed it, right? Like, since almost as soon as he finally relented after multiple false starts of them supposed to be getting married and him changing his mind, mm-hmm. like multiple times. Like he was runaway groom multiple times, right? Right, like almost immediately after they got married, finally, and she was pregnant, Magic was diagnosed with HIV, right? So that timing was very cute for him because she is the rock that helped him get through that whole era. Um, I mean, and had she done anything any differently, the public would have totally turned on Magic. Like, they were totally looking at Cookie to see how she handled it as the wife. Right. And as a pregnant mother at the time, a pregnant woman at the time. I had no idea that they had just got married, that that, that I thought they were together like, for the literally. longest. They were, off and on. He, They met in college. He, you know, gave, I'm, I'm into you, I live, you know, was love at first sight kind of thing. And then... You know, they split up when he got, he left college early to go into the NBA. Mm-hmm. And she went on and had a career as in fashion. Um, and they kept going back and forth for like the next decade. Wow. Like they would be together for some years, break up, be together for some years, break up. He engaged, he got, he asked an America twice, mm-hmm. reneged twice. <laughs> like, oh my. Oh my. like you know so he owes her i mean and it's very clear 
that everybody like there's a lot of there's like interviews with her friends her besties her three besties who don't cut no cards um i mean and it's clear that whoever he was in the 80s he's cleaned up his act since then right there's like a redemption arc there but i was given but i was given there's no way i would have like i wouldn't have lasted you only got one time to break an engagement with me like multiple breakups no i'm not that no like i just have as 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 any ex will tell you of mine, I have way too much pride. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but in any way, um, the series definitely chronicles where we were at that time around HIV and how magic went from reluctant announcement out of necessity to um, global HIV advocate, really. Um, right. The dream team gets covered. His two attempts ret- to return to the NBA gets covered. The, force, the first was thwarted. Mind you, after his dream team wins with the Olympics by his HIV homophobic or HIV phobic, not homophobic. That was a Freudian slip. Excuse me, (laughs) y'all. Players he thought were his friends and colleagues. Um, People who had just literally played with him on the dream team were leading the charge that he shouldn't be allowed to play in the NBA. And his journey to accept his gender nonconforming gay son, you know, Irvin Three. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a revealing delight, and I enjoyed every bit of the journey. Throughout, you understand the early promise, the privilege, and the discipline that led to a storied career that started in high school. Mm-hmm. Like, he was a star in high school. Like, Maury making headlines then. And hasn't really let up to this day. So They Call Me Magic is on Apple Plus and eagerly awaits you with a magic smile. <laughs> I have to watch this and just listening to stuff like this that makes me wish my daddy was around because we would definitely sit down and soak this up and have a great conversation after. I had no idea that he was that asshole, like honest to God. And he had to, like you were saying that, you know, he kind of redeemed himself and came through. But I'm like, you had to, because I'm sure Cookie was like, listen, bitch, it's not going to happen like this. <laughs> This is gonna how it's gonna happen, and you're gonna do. You're gonna jump when I say jump. You're gonna jump. This is what's gonna happen. And my bro was like, "Yep, okay." <laughs> that was it. There was no conversation. That was the conversation. So I'm, I'm glad that she she most probably just gave it to him and read him his rights. And look where it's gotten him today. So wow, I'm I'm intrigued, and I really I'm gonna watch this. Definitely gonna watch this. Yeah, I mean it's it's um it's a great. I mean and if you're of a younger generation who didn't grow grow up with Magic Johnson as a basketball player, it's quite an education. You know, mm-hmm. I grew up um as a kid seeing Magic Johnson, you know, I wasn't a basketball person, but you know, I was still aware of his dominance all over the media, you know, this smiling black man, this giant of a black man yeah. who was considered a success. You know, I grew up with that and then watched him pass that torch to Michael Jordan who I was then in high school and like way more aware of Michael Jordan when he won for Chicago, which is where I'm from. Like I still have incredible memories of Michael Jordan's win for the Bulls. Um, The day that we won, like people in the streets, downtown, people sitting on top of cars. It was, it was amazing. It was, it was one of those moments I was like, Oh, I'm so glad I'm here for this historic moment. Like, and I'm actually visually watching it in Chicago in real time. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so yeah, check out They Call Me Magic on Apple Plus. It's not getting a lot of press. It should be. It's so good. Wow. 
I'm, why isn't it getting, why do you think it's not getting a lot of press? That's odd. To I me. think the winning time story is more interesting. You know, you have basketball players from that era complaining. You got, you know, is it or is it not true story? You know, I think the press is much more interested in that kind of salaciousness. I mean, this is not, I mean, outside of the cookie stuff, mm. this is not a salacious documentary, right? Mm. Like, this okay. is not, you know, you know, they, they, have, they allude to things, right? Like, Magic was known for his fabulous parties that everybody came to, you know? <laughs> so it wasn't like, it's given, okay. oh, was there cocaine, you know, on the bottom mountains of that party? Like, you know, right, like, it's right. not, it's not, it's, you know, whether people sleep, you know, having orgies, like, you know, it's not given that, right? So, gotcha. you know, gotcha. I think that that's, you know, compared to Winning Time, where there, you know, lots of controversy around that. I, I think it just kind of got lost in the sauce. And I, I mean, and, and Apple Plus doesn't always do a great job. They have like some of the best prestige TV happening right now, but they don't always do a great job of promoting it. True. Very true. Very true. It's usually when it catches so, on my word of mouth. Yeah. All right. Exactly. So what is your It's Complicated this week, AMC? And for those who don't know, It's Complicated are those stories we have mixed feelings about. We love certain aspects of it, but we recognize it can be problematic or an incomplete solution to a problem that it's addressing. or It just has elements that keep us from all the way loving it. So what do you have for us? So... I actually lifted this one from your page. And the funny thing is I changed it because I didn't feel like talking about Pete and Miss Kim Kardashian anymore. So I'm going to leave them where they are. (laughs) But this I lifted from your Facebook page because I wanted to talk about this with you and see what you thought. So um, my thing it's to lip sync Bob or not to. This is this is the question here. So we're talking about the new um, Bob Marley movie that is going to be um, presented to us by Ronaldo Marcus Green, <clears throat> excuse me, who is the director behind um, lovely movie that just won. Oh gosh, wow, we're running into uh, Will, but anyways, that Will won Best Actor for, <clears throat> excuse me, which was King Richard. So. He is now tapped to do this new Bob Marley movie, and he is now casting, well, casting, um, uh, what's his name? Kingsley Ben-Adir. So the name might not ring a bell. However, for those of you who watched One Night in, um, One Night in Miami, uh, he played Malcolm X. So I'm talking about Regina King's movie, and it was fabulous, and Kingsley Ben-Adir played I feel he did a great job playing Malcolm. He was fantastic. Now, he's an emerging actor, British actor, and he seems to be doing really well for himself. The only problem is he cannot sing. So, I mean, for some people, it's not a problem. And I know for LMG, it's not a problem. He was like, lip sing your life away, bruh. So my thing thing is, uh, well, the director actually stated that there may be a mix of tracks and Benadir's voice. They're not sure as yet. But my take is like when when you you can sing, it kind of it brings a more earthy and personal aura to the character. Like I remember off and believe off the top of my head, the one person that comes up is um, uh, what's her name? Um, Gwyneth Paltrow, when he did that country movie, she sang all of her songs. And I was actually like, I mean, she's not a big singer. She's, she can carry a tune. Um, 
she did an okay job. She did a pretty good job. But it's 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 kind of nice. I think it just brings more to the character. If you can sing and actually do, it's almost like, you know, you're acting, goddammit. So it's like you're bringing your lyrics to life. So you're bringing the persona to life. But as LMG said, you know, on the other hand, there are people that are like, well, shit, if you can lip sync it, do it. Like there's <laughs> lip sync your heart away. You can do it. Go ahead. So what I'm honestly terrified about, to be quite honest, is the accent. I y'all know already that Caribbean, especially Jamaicans, do not translate well on screen in Hollywood. It, that's just it. The best that I've seen this far is actually um, Jimmy Akingbola as uh, Jeffrey on Bel Air, and dude is Nigerian. Okay, so um, of course there's coaching. There's gonna be a lot of coaching done, and et cetera, et cetera. But still, sometimes the coaching doesn't translate well. So that's going to kind of be a we shall see kind of thing. As an actor, I think he's going to do amazing. I think that um, he's going to bring a lot to the character. Um, the way that he played Malcolm X was so calming and, and, and soothing. And he came across exactly how I envisioned Malcolm would be. So I'm sure that he'll be able to transform himself into Bob. Again, I'm just really, really scared about the accent, and I really wished that he would be singing. But you can't have it all. What do you think, LMG? Do you care if he can lip sync like a mofo, or would you rather hear him sing? I, you know, I think you already <laughs> have nailed it. Like, I want, um, I want him to lip sync for his life. I feel <laughs> like we have, we, you know, I it takes away. Bob Marley has a very distinctive singing voice. Mm-hmm. And while there are, there was a, like a American Idol, not American Idol, uh, what is that other show? The Voice. Um, oh, clip yes. that went around about an amazing vocalist who like imitated Bob Marley great, you know, in an amazing way. Mm-hmm. Um, I still feel like, you know, let him lip sync. And, you know, we watched uh, in What's Love Got to Do With It lip syncing. I think, uh, Walk the Line, they might have been lip syncing about Johnny Cash. Oh, Johnny Cash, um, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I think that, yeah, I mean, it's cool. I mean, sometimes the voice, I mean, like Jamie Foxx with Ray Charles, like, but Mm. Ray Charles, but Jamie Mm. Foxx is a mimic. Yes. Right? Like, that's actually part of his comedic stick Mm -hmm. is that he can mimic almost anybody singing. Like he's talented as a mimic, but most of most actors are not necessarily talented mimics in that way. Um, I enjoy Ronaldo Marcus Green's films. I've been a fan of his since uh, Gun Hill Road, where he discussed a Latino family dealing with the uh, um, sexuality of a teenage gay son. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the, in the relationship between the dynamic relationship between his uh, more machismo father. Um, Monsters and Men was another interesting indie film. Uh, King Richard was kind of his breakout uh, from the indies to more mainstream films. So I'm glad that that has worked out in his favor, mm-hmm. though. Apparently, he's now like asking to do the next James Bond. And it's like, let's not punch too high above our weight. Yeah. <laughs> like, 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 I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know that we're quite there. Let's get another King Richard under our belt before we start doing <laughs> Before we start asking for, you know, $300 million budgets. Um, I enjoy Kingsley Ben Adair. Um, 
in uh, I enjoyed him in High Fidelity. He was the love interest mm-hmm. in that TV show with Zoe Kravitz. Um, I obviously loved him in One Night in Miami. Uh, I think he'll do the role fine. I mean, his his uh, mother is Trinidadian, so yeah. he's not immune to. I mean, his father's white Brit. You know, he's one of those uh, biracial black Brits that have come to dominate our American screens. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think. I mean, obviously, Trinidadian accent is different from a Jamaican accent, but I Way think different. he's. But I don't. I think he's. You know, his experience in Caribbean UK is probably enough that he should be able to nail that accent without too much of a problem. That's all. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's like you know. While the UK Jamaican accent is different, you can still hear that Jamaican influence there. Like of it's course. still present. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. I mean, obviously they're going to put him with a, a good dialect coach. I'm sure part of the reason why they were like, oh, we may do mixture of tracks and things because they don't know whether or not he's going to be able to pull off the vocals yet. Right. Um, and they're giving themselves some wiggle room. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I would be perfectly fine with him just emoting and lip syncing to a really good Bob Marley track. Like, give us a demo. Like, don't give us the actual studio recordings every time. Give us, like, a demo version that we haven't heard before or a live concert version that we haven't heard before so that we can feel like it's real. I think that that's what you do in that instance. Got you, got you, yeah. Sounds good. That was a a great... It's complicated because it definitely is complicated. Um... Mine, um, at the time of this recording on May 5th at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, it is unconfirmed, but it looks like Manosphere, God of Misogynoir, 56-year-old Kevin Samuels, has gone to meet his maker and answer for spreading his gospel of hate against Black women. Mm-hmm. Reportedly, He died of cardiac arrest in his apartment. That's what's being reported. We don't know for sure if that's real yet. Mm -hmm. So this is an allegedly. Sadly, this will likely make the self-proclaimed image consultant and relationship, quote unquote, guru, a martyr among the army of black insoles who have cleaved on to his message of hate. For those who may not be familiar with Kevin Samuels, his greatest hits on our, um, on, um, we say Al Gore's internet, but <laughs> um, on Al Gore's internet refers to single black women over 35 as a party of one. Mm-hmm. He's helped popularize such ideas as a high value man, low value woman, leftover women, usually referring to educated professional black women over the age of 35 who are still single mm-hmm. or divorced um, and declaring with authority that accomplished women who want an equally yoked man must get comfortable with man sharing. Mm. In interviews, he's made a habit of dismissing, cutting off, and disparaging women who have come on the show, um, and reading women who want an equally yoked man uh, by telling them they must get comfortable with that, with man sharing, um, and just kind of dismissing things like feminism, women as a whole, womanism. <laughs> And most any real progress made toward gender equality. Men who supported these ideas also get handled, as they usually do in the manosphere echo chamber of toxic masculinity. Mm -hmm. And they get dismissed as being betas or simps. 
The only reason this man's death is complicated for me is because we aren't yet 100 that he's dead. This all could be cloud chasing act. Who knows? Um, and we're culturally not opposed to, to celebrate. We're not culturally supposed to celebrate the death of black people. Right. Like, and he's still a black man who mm. is of note. Um, what he's of note for is, of course, evil and hate and besides noir, but okay, yeah. he's of note. Um, but when they've gone out of their way to be this harmful in life for profit, clout, and attaboys from insults who will never get laid, it's hard not to do a little praise dance on that their grave. Mm-hmm. So the death of Kevin Samuels is my it's complicated uh, potential reported death. So we're still waiting. How do you feel about the potential reported death of Cam- Kevin Samuels, AMC? My mom and dad taught me that if I have nothing good to say, not to say anything at all. Therefore, <laughs> I'm so this is why we need like special that. effects. <laughs> <laughs> we need we need like a cricket special effects right here, right in this moment. <laughs> I'm just like, bro, you you had nothing but slander and just I. I you had nothing for me. Like you, you would run over me with your truck forward and backward first. Shit, I'm 47, single with a four-year-old. Woo, boy, I would be really high up on that leftover woman list, I guess. Right? Um, mm-hmm. Professional black woman. So, yeah, I, I you know, I, I wouldn't have anything nice to say, honest to God. I'd be tap dancing on his grave with my Michael Jackson socks on. There's no way. <laughs> not with the Michael Jackson socks. Yes. Glittering like a buffalo. <laughs> I'm not even going to lie. Not no. leaving a trail of glitter behind you. Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. Plumes of dust. I, mm-hmm. I I don't have anything nice to say, so I'm just going to leave it at that. I always feel like it's funny because um, you, you had a great statement in there where you said um, that we're not supposed to celebrate the death of Black people. And I, I'm, I'm not, I won't say that I'm torn, but when it comes to people who have spent their life, um, you know, degrading people and um, just, you know, being condescending, vilifying people, and then they die and people are like, rest in peace. I'm like, do you really mean that though? Really? You don't. So, I mean, if you want to say, bitch, burn, then burn. I mean, it's not, it's not something that, again, my parents would teach me to say, but if that's what you're thinking, don't drop a rest in peace. And it doesn't matter if the person is black, purple, orange, or green. I think that um, it's just, it's about that person's character, personality, what they've projected their entire life. There's no way you're going to get any ounce of respect from me if during your whole life you've been that type of person and then you die, well, you died. That's it. Moving on. Well, um, AMC, while you were talking, I just double-checked because we had gotten the news a couple hours earlier. Revolt TV has confirmed mm-hmm. with reliable sources that YouTube sensation and self-proclaimed relationship guru Kevin Samuels has indeed passed away today. Mm. 
Um, and for those who want to get a taste of his most popular videos, though, we probably shouldn't like give him any more than he's already mm-hmm. gotten in life. <laughs> um, how much do you cost to submit was the name of one video. Modern women are average at best was another. Mm-hmm. Um, and on that leftover tip, he said, if you live to 35 and you're not married, you're a leftover. Mm-hmm. You're a leftover. Men know you may have a problem, whether you want to hear it or not. I'll go with you. I'm telling you the truth you don't want to hear. So it's like a taste of kind of who he was. But Revolt TV is confirming that he is indeed dead. Mm. Well, may he rest wherever he is. Um, I like that. In any case. (laughs) May he rest wherever he is. I love that. you know, alcohol does strange things. Um, may he rest wherever he is. A reminder, be sure to like, subscribe, follow, and share on whatever platform you're listening to and watching us on. Also comment or review where possible so that we can climb the charts of the various platform algorithms the show is on. Now, back with the show. Before AMC. we get to just know, sorry, let me just jump in. Oh, there. go we, ahead. Yeah, we can, get, jump on in. <laughs> we were discussing Snowfall earlier, and I did check, and you were right. They have signed on for a sixth and final season. So season five is running now. Season six is going to come along, and then that's the end of that. But I have like four, five seasons to get through, so I might as well just start. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, you know, you don't know my ministry. I am the king of a binge. So I will have gotten through those five seasons within like two weeks and yeah. be like mad that I'm waiting after wait a year for that sixth season to come through. So that's I'm why right I got to wait for the you. whole thing to be over. I am right now. I'm no joke right there with you. I'm a binger. I don't like to watch like day week by week and new episode. I'm like, no, 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 no. Give me a season. So I can sit down, binge the whole thing, and done. But I know, man, remember, my binging happens, like, at night after the kids asleep. My eyes are mm. burning. So sometimes I don't make it through, like, the two or three episodes I really want to do. It'll take me longer. I'll get frustrated. I want to binge because I need to know what's going on. So I still have Euphoria. I still have all of these crazy shows to do. So I'm going to jump in. I'm going to start Snowfall. I, I really do want to start it. I've been dying to do so. Look, I get it. One of the reasons why I'm such an Anglophile about British shows is that they generally are like six to ten episodes top. Sometimes as little as four. Yeah. And they're done. So I can get a whole story. Like, you know, (laughs) you know, even though it's so funny. So I mean, this is completely off topic and this is not our just know. But like, so I just finished watching like the first five seasons of Shetland, which is this uh cop show based in Scotland, Shetland's Islands. Mm -hmm. And the whole time I'm like, could I live there? Oh my God, they look so, like, I love the landscapes. Oh, look at the water. Oh, but the town, they look like they don't got seasoned food. The people look so pale. I don't know (laughs) if I could stay there. (laughs) Like, like I'm literally season after season in a, having an inner monologue about whether or not I could live in these small UK towns where murder seems to happen, you know, all the damn time. Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And that's not an issue, LMG. (laughs) No, I mean, it's like, it's it's 50% of why I'm watching these shows. Like, can I, can I, can I live? Can I endure? Because, you know, there's a part of me that's attracted to it and a part of me that is completely repulsed by this, the the drabness of it all. Mm. Um, 
You know, it's like, I, it's no wonder y'all drink pipes all the time and like are alcoholics, right? <laughs> you know, but, um, but I'm also kind of like, you know, could, you know, then I, I become like an, a total ugly American about it. And I'm like, could I, y'all, y'all seem to have crime, a lot of crime. Because <laughs> <laughs> right? I'm only watching mysteries, right? I'm only watching police procedurals. Like, you have a lot of crime over there in these small towns. Y'all mm. white people are a little out of control with the crime, ain't they? <laughs> you have nerve. <laughs> right. As an American, I really right. do have nerve. Seriously. You know, oh, but I'm like, I don't, am, is, is it safe? Would I be safe? I don't know if I would be safe. You know, so like I'm at, in, in my inner monologue about my relocation to the UK. Oh know. my god! But leave it up to you, though. It's like I speak to you next week, and you'd be like, "Oh, I'm in the UK." <laughs> like oh, as a visit only. You know, I I hear too much about like you know I like good food. I can't. You know, I don't know if I could you know sustain on just fish and chips. <laughs> right? mm-mm, mm-mm. You know, going to the Indian curry restaurants every day because I just need some flavor, right? <laughs> you better walk with your shit. You better walk Listen. with the spices. Oh Listen. God. All right, MC, what do you have for just no? Mm. Now that I've turned off our entire UK audience. <laughs> <laughs> we love you. We love you. It's going to be our theme song soon. Um, So for just now this week, uh, I read an article about a Minnesota teacher that cut a black teen's hair without permission. And I'm so tired of reading these these headlines. So let me give you guys a little backstory. A young boy uh, went to school and he wasn't satisfied with the lineup of his haircut. And he mentioned it in his class. And his teacher decided to take matters into their own hands, grabbed a pair of scissors, and and literally jacked up the child's hair. Sent him back home. And now on top of that, no one at the school notified the parents about this occurring. So the child went home, looked at his parents and said, would you be mad at me? And they're like, why would we be mad? And he took off his little hat and he's like, my teacher and I cut, up, cut my hair. So here's the thing. These incidences have been happening way too often. We've seen them in the news so many times. There are so many that can be counted, and and I'm sure that there's some that we never even caught wind of. There are so many things that happen. Um, Now, anytime I read anything like that, it brings me back to the one that really, really hit me was in 2019, uh, the incident when a young Black wrestler had his locks shorn off during a competition at a New Jersey high school. Watching that video literally makes me ill. He was distraught. He was crying. He was, like, you can see that he was just a mess. He was a mess. And it was heartbreaking to watch. So this is not it for me. When I see these bold and brazen people take matters into their own hands regarding how black children's hair and bodies are regulated it makes me vex um and especially now when i think about my son and if something like this was to be done to him y'all i'm telling you your girl would catch a case (laughs) and i hope y'all love me enough to gather some bail money to come get your sis out because let's just start that cash up for you now (laughs) and thank you because this is not the way to go like it's not so 
you know, so many questions run through my mind. I'm like, who are who are they to be policing anyone? Better get any child's like body or being, and who are they to unlawfully put their hands on people's children, black children? And yeah, the ref was banned. Um, I believe, yeah, I think he was banned after um, after the incident, uh, the wrestling incident. And we have no idea what happened to the teachers yet because we haven't heard anything. But that's besides the point. Um, this is not the first time that something like this has occurred. And it's occurred and it has been in the news. It's not like we haven't seen it. And these things are... Um, I haven't seen anything that's happened here in Canada. These stories are from the States. So if these things from the States are hidden here, what do you think, like... You know, what do you think we're sitting here thinking about? It's the same thing. It's where we have our black bodies and they're being policed the same way. You guys may not hear about it, but trust me, they are being policed the same way. So, I mean, I'm talking to the people out here that are really confident enough to do without even thinking about repercussions like what is your thought process what makes this okay to do i'm sure that we don't have listeners that are that ignorant because really and truly but you know it makes me wonder what is going on in your head that makes it okay to put your hands on somebody else's child and cut their hair their hair is part of their their being it's their body i can't i just it, it really really makes me irate and I had my first bout with an incident at school where my son, with my son, and he's only four. He's in, he's in junior kindergarten, y'all. And it wasn't anything remotely close to this, but I was a little shook when I initially found out information from my child and mom parents in the class rather than via the school. So it was something where, you know, thankfully, I love his teacher. I love his um, his ECE. They're amazing, and um, I spoke to his teacher, and he said, you know, it wasn't such a big issue where we had to call, where we thought we'd have to call, but we did address it in class, and we know, we know our little Z. You know, he's he's very mild mannered. He's a sweetheart. He's very kind. So he was just mimicking other kids. But at the same time, I would like to know what's going on with my kid in school when it comes to you know. Uh, behavior either with children or with teachers adults whatever it is so i'm surprised that the school never called not surprised but i am surprised that the school never called the parents to let them know what was going on so i'm still navigating this whole school life and all of these new things that are happening but i can tell you one thing anyone touch my child and there'll be consequences to deal with i ain't even playing this is not right it's not right I'm finished. So everybody begin. Program. So everybody begin saving Please. for our future GoFundMe for <laughs> in our in our free AMC movement. <laughs> we we're gonna make sure we have a free AMC movement. We're gonna support our sister um, because by people because Caucasity is gonna Caucasian, and um, we're gonna have to make sure we protect our sister and her son. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know the I don't know that Canadians have the audacity of of Americans. I think that some of this is just <laughs> American audacity, which um, you know, white people gonna white is something that happens all over the world, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not unique to, but audacity is something uniquely 
American and maybe Brit, you know, because the Brits are known for their audacity too. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. So maybe that's why we haven't heard these stories as much from Canada. No, I but, think... Um, not, to, not to cut you. Sorry about that. No, go ahead. Um, I think the thing with, with, with our stories, <clears throat> I find that our stories only translate to the American side when they're, like, really, really heavy. So you guys would most probably hear, like, I know you guys heard about, the, you know, the guy that went down um, Young Street plowing all of the people down the road. This was, like, three or four years ago. I know that mm-hmm. made it to the States. I know, mm-hmm. like, our, our stories have to be really big. The trucking convoy, that all made it to the States because of the pandemic and everything that was happening. So there are certain things and certain stories that make it there. But when it comes to U.S. Um, news, U.S. news is very prevalent. And we have a lot of the U.S. channels up here. Like, I'm sure, you know, I, well, I don't even know how other other countries will go about doing that. But <clears throat> we have a, a very a large contingent uh, contingency of uh, U.S. channels and, and just U.S. culture and everything like that here. So we're right on top of you guys. You guys are our cousins, right? But when it comes to Canada's news to the U.S., it's totally different. And especially um, living, like, let's say, in, like in New York, when I was living in New York, there's no way in shit I would hear anything about Canada unless it was, like, dire, like, dire, dire straits. So you guys don't get our news the way that we get your news. It's not funneled the same way. There's no, I, I would never in life say that it's funneled the same way. But a lot of that shit does happen. Canada, Canadians, white Canadians, they have the audacity. Trust me. There is a particular Instagram account that we have up here um, with that tells you the stories of um, a lot of the kids, some of the black kids and some of the school boards who face racism every day, they're being called nigger, and then nothing's being done about it. We have very racist school boards up here. Um, there's so many different, um, you know, topics and, um, uh, you know, I can't even find the word, but they're really and truly, there are different topics that you guys don't hear, you guys are usually not privy to, but unless it's something that's really, really um, poignant, then it will find its way across the border. I mean, America is very much like New York. We think we're the center of everything. And if it's not <laughs> happening here, Canada doesn't matter. Exactly. Like, I, <laughs> I'm learning, you know, I, I'm learning a lot about the Japan-Korea um tension and experience through the tv show pachinko like i wasn't aware of any of that (laughs) right Mm -hmm. like it and i'm a fairly learned man um Mm -hmm. i'm learning about um i watched a couple of documentaries on amazon prime about um from the 60s both of them are from um steve mcqueen Mm -hmm. right one was about um the fire that happened in the 80s at um, the party at the Lover's Rock party um, in the community that was said, you know, historically rumored to be caused by a um, Mazel Tov cocktail or a canister thrown into 
um, the party by racists, right? Because there was a lot of white racist bombing, fire bombings happening at the time in the 80s in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, and that one was like super powerful. I think it's called Uprising. And then the other one was about the Black British experience with their civil rights movement in the 60s. Yeah. Um, and, you know, again, not history that, I mean, we're barely taught about our own civil rights movement, right? So we're definitely not taught about like the Black, the black Brits experience in the UK. Um, but where there were a lot of parallels, um, I mean, as some of the nastiness, it was also one of those things where I was like, yeah, I probably can't live in the UK. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the, the, mm-hmm. the level of nastiness from the police was just, uh, you know, we have our own stuff, but I don't know. It, it, it seemed as pernicious, if not as worse in some ways. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, we, we don't get that stuff unless... Thanks to like the global streaming services, we're getting a little bit more outside mm. of our purview. Mm-hmm. I mean, even when we're living in Mexico for now almost a year and a half, um, you know, we there's just a lot of stuff we don't get. It's true. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. One thing we're all going to get is the Roe versus Wade rollback, oh, boy. <laughs> which is my hating it, um, yeah. hated it. Uh, not loving it. So I love the book and series, The Handmaid's Tale. However, I have no desire to actually live in the world of Gilead. Okay. With Political Magazine having broken all of the internet with their leaked early draft of the uh, Supreme Court of the United States repeal of the 50-year-old World versus Wade ruling that ultimately gave women bodily autonomy over their pregnancies from coast to coast, we have another step toward the world that the American Taliban has been seeking. I should probably say up front that I'm pro-choice and I believe in women's bodily autonomy. Um, and I think that this is trash. Um, so along with the rollbacks on teaching honest American history, book bannings and reproductive rights rollbacks, what's coming next is the rollback of the 2015 Arbiter. Oh, I can never say this right. Uh Isn't it fell versus Hodges' decision by the SCOTUS that gave us same-sex marriage. Mm -hmm. The foundation of gay marriage lay in the bedrock of that privacy assumptions that were rendered in Roe. Um, And this will come after the rollback of the 1979 Backey case that gave mostly white women, if we're to be honest, (laughs) and some black and some BIPOC folks affirmative action in hiring and education. Um, thanks to another case before the SCOTUS this session to be decided sometime in July of this year. Mm-hmm. Collectively, they mark a return to the 1950s, a time rife with conformity, forced conformity, segregation, homophobia, trans prejudice, and legally codified gender inequalities. Known to the right as the good old days, <laughs> mm-hmm. in the interim against a right-wing juggernaut that has no compunction about using any and every trick in the book to get its way in the state houses. They mostly control throughout the U.S. and still manage to control in the Senate without having a majority vote. Um, You know, the response from our so-called saviors, the Dems, has been mealy-mouthed, weak, and the funders that support defensive progressive causes often are short-sighted and underwhelming in their funding. All of this leaves women, particularly BIPOC women, people of color, queer folks, and other outsiders vulnerable to any and every kind of legally sanctioned and supported attack 
suppression, and yes, oppression. The pendulum has always swung really hard from right to from far right to moderate left. We don't ever get it swinging all the way left, child. Hmm. Not in this country. Um, and periods marked by decades rather than years. We are at a pivotal moment right now in which all of the progressive assumptions we've relied on are in peril. As long as we have a 6-3 SCOTUS, a Democratic Party, I'm willing to eliminate the filibuster to defend their constituents and pass their agendas. And a progressive apparatus so focused on a shiny ball of federal policies and systems that it completely ignores the state houses that actually impact the day-to-day lives of individuals on the ground. But rather than talk that about that or those things, we'd rather Monday morning quarterback the I told you so's of the Trump versus election or Hillary versus Hillary election, where both Hill and black women writ large warned of what a Trump election would mean for the next two generations, mm-hmm. particularly for those women who voted by 54 percent for Trump um, in any case <laughs> and who yep. white women White women specifically, make sure I get that clarifier, right. 54% of white women. Um, and who is responsible for the mess we find ourselves in now? I personally would much prefer us be engaged in a conversation about how we're going to protect and service women and other vulnerable populations against the sea of regressive policies that threaten anyone, not able-bodied, cisgendered, male, and white Where's our Marshall Plan to save us from the foolishness of the right? I hate where we are right now and where I predict where we're going to be just because the defenses are so weak. And it's a large part of the reason why I'm an expat who has no plans of living in the States ever again. Mm. Because we've seen this movie before, folks. And this movie never ends well for Black folks, queer folks, or women. Yeah. AMC, how are you feeling about the fall or the potential fall since we still haven't had it officially happen? It's just kind of we know it's about to happen of Roe versus Wade. That's really scary. I mean, um, I hear you about it's a large part why you would never live in the States again. And I'm right there with you. Um, And you're American. I am not. However, I once upon a time thought that that would be the place that I would actually stay and um, start a career and kind of root, root myself and um, start anew. And I'm happy to say that I think I was there at maybe the best times. Obama was just um, uh, sworn into office and, and all of that goodness. And But again too your recession happened and that's why i caught my tail home so um when it comes down to to roe versus wade and i've been just i haven't read as much as i should to be quite honest but just hearing that um they were actually looking to repeal it was enough for me i was like wow so there goes pro choice there goes um, you know, uh, a, a woman having gay marriage. <laughs> shit. I mean, I, it, there's just so many things that um, are interconnected, and there are so many things that are slowly unraveling. And they've been unraveling over time, especially since Trump was in office. Um, mm-hmm. He's been, you know, 
he's steadily just taking the needle and just pulling the thread, pulling the thread. And even with him not being there, because he already set all of these things in motion, now everything is starting to really crumble. And and I think that unfortunately, um, what's coming up is going to be one hell of an atomic bomb. Uh, it really, I, I and it, it's what's scary about it too is like the the when we spoke about it previously on previous podcasts, um, the laws that Florida had put into effect um, regarding um, it was don't a, say gay, don't say gay, and um, critical race theory. What was it? Not critical race theory. Um, I mean that is another one, but no, it was something else. Um, the math books? No, didn't it? Ha- it had to do with um, <laughs> the, the fact with- that we have a list, right? Like we're like the the bath salts, the the math <laughs> the math list. Like I mean, like we like with Florida, it's kind of like a never ending list of you know. Wait, Florida, the, the, Florida, the, man. Gilliam, it's- right? Right? You know, like it's <laughs> so many things. It could be Florida has a special list, boy. They they're just special. Um, but yeah, I think we, we spoke about so much about Florida previously, but we did touch upon the things that we had just, um, we had just mentioned, but, uh, I just think that, as I said, everything was starting to, um, was put in place, um, even the voting, like, you know, st- the voting boxes and, and who can vote, who can vote, who's doing the, like, it's just, it's been a hot mess and I don't know what y'all Democratic Party is doing because I'm not hearing anything unless I'm just not reading enough. But I, I, I don't see anything. And what is it th- from your perspective? What is it that they can do to actually halt or even, you know, attempt at stopping this from from transpiring? Is there anything that can be done truthfully? I mean, certainly. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I mean, one, the Dems are right now writing their fundraising letters because this is going to raise an incredible amount of money from donors Uh to their coffers. So that's what's happening right now. So if you're not hearing anything from the Dem side is, you know, I mean, and there's been public statements. I don't want to short shift that there's been, you know, public public statements from politicians about the political leak of the SCOTUS. early draft of their for their forthcoming Roe versus Wade overturning decision. However, um, you know, right now the, the focus is probably very much on fundraising, right? Yeah. Like this is going to energize the 2022 election in a way that probably nothing before was gonna. Um, you will get an outpouring of people who had no intention on voting for the 2022 midterm election because we never do. Yeah. Um, I'm going to vote this time because of what's going on, which is really, I mean, which is kind of behind the scenes of, you know, Chief Roberts saying, oh, we're going to investigate this, you know, because Mm. the release, the early release of this document has political ramifications beyond the actual ruling, right? It also fuels and invites people to make significant changes to who they're going to vote for and whether or not they're going to vote this election. Sure. Um, it also, but, you know, let's not be fooled. This also is going to embolden the right, you know, so maybe those yeah. who had not um, been, you know, having this close of a taste of what they've been fighting for, for 50 years, for half of a century mm-hmm. is going to make them more willing to 
show up to defend this opportunity to have these rollbacks. But again, you know, while we're focused on the federal level, and that's important, the real fight is happening in the state houses. You don't get don't say gay if Republicans don't control the state houses. You don't get CRT bills and book mm-hmm. bannings mm-hmm. if Republicans don't control state houses. Right. It's really, you know, who's on these school boards? Who are on these commissions for civil rights? Who are on the, you know, um, wards and, 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 and uh, what do you call aldermans and council members? Like those low level positions and state representatives are really where policy gets made. And, um, you know, because we have this big romance with things like the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act and, um, you know, some of these big SCOTUS cases from the 60s and 70s, we've kind of been conditioned to look to the feds to fix our problems. Mm-hmm. But the right has not been doing that. The right has been slowly and strategically for the last 50 years long-term investing. That's one of the reasons I called out philanthropic funders on the left. You know, I write grants for a living. Those grants be for like one to three, sometimes if you're lucky, five years. Mm-hmm. That is not how right-wing funders are funding. They're giving general operating support for an open agenda for five, 10, 15, 20-year deep, long investments sure. to get their agenda and their goal ultimately passed. And that's what it's going to take. It's taking the long view. Mm-hmm. It's not this kind of short, fast, pie in the sky, you know, flash in the pan type of thing. Um, and it's it's sad, right? I mean, they they have out. We keep winning these little battles and think we've done something. Meanwhile, they're they're settling in for a long war. Yeah. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, and the fruits of that is finally paying off. I mean, would you think that? With Kurt Vinegard's um, book on book banning, I mean, like we were talking about that when I was in school, and it felt outdated in the '80s, right? When we we're talking about <laughs> the book banning in um, in in Kurt Vinegard's books, right? Like it, that felt old and like old fashioned. Like why are we Kurt even Vonnegut. reading about this, right. right? And like and now in 2022, we're having real book bannings happen. And hundreds of schools across the nation, specifically targeting books by black people, women and and queer folks. Right. Right. So Mm -hmm. and indigenous people. Right. Anything that makes white people, quote unquote, feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's that's kind of where we are. What can Dems do? I mean, one, we can show up to vote. Right. I mean, which is part of what the kind of I told you so conversation has been about. Yeah. We can get our philanthropic funders to actually engage in long term, deep investments um, on the causes that we believe in and the defense of those causes. You know, I used to work for Advocates for Youth, which was a reproductive justice organization. And we struggled to get our money every year because defense of a policy is not as sexy as getting the policy passed. But it was defense of the policy that kept Roe versus Wade, you know, off the chopping block for the last 50 years. You have to not only get the policy passed, you have to defend it. And trust right. and believe the right is going to make sure that those policies are defended once they get their way. It's going to take 20 years easy to remove those don't say gay and um, and CRT bills off the off our books. I mean, you said that's 20 just, years. That's what you said. Yeah. I mean, think about how long don't ask, don't tell. I mean, that, that took about 15 years from don't ask, don't tell, if not almost 20 before we repealed 
that. Mm. You know, Defensive Marriage Act, that took about 20 years before we got the right to marry in 2015. Mm. The right to marry for same-sex people is only seven years old in America. Yeah. Right? So, so like, like, you know, it's, it, these things take an enormous amount of time and people power and resources. Um, you know, I mean, and I've already said, kill this filibuster business because, you know, this idea the Republicans aren't going to kill the filibuster the second they get in power is ridiculous. Oh, God. Right. I mean, that's and that's the rationale, right, for, um, you know, the West Virginia senator and the Arizona senator, um, who Manchin and Samina, who are, you know, pushing against this. Right. Mm-hmm. Is mm-hmm. that, oh, this this filibuster has helped protect people in the past. That was the past. In the past, conservatives and liberals used to go out and eat dinner together and have drinks together in Congress sure. and Senate. That no longer happens. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They were able to be on bipartisan, you know, committees together. That no longer happens, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like, 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 so this is all out war for the culture, and Republicans are very clear about what it is, and Dems need to get into it. They they really do. And killing the filibuster is one of those ways to do it. Hmm. So that's my thoughts on it. You know, I'm a drunk. Nobody's political right now. So <laughs> you, just, you just opened up a whole can of you got to learn this. So I'm like, OK, I have some reading you know, to do. But, I mean, and, I, and, I, and part of my I hate it came from the fact that there were so many headlines about Hillary was right. You know, if the people didn't vote a certain way, we told y'all about Trump. You know, none of that yeah. helps. I mean, it's yeah. true. All of that is real. Those things are real. But what the give people marching orders. Right now, people are fired up. You know, mm-hmm. that's when you want to give them marching orders. That's when you want to give them a plan. That's when they want you want to answer what you just asked, right? What do I do? I'm furious. How can I help? This is when you're supposed to immediately be hitting them with the message. You can help help in the following three ways. Boom, boom, boom. Because people can't take more than three things in their head at one time. <laughs> right? the, the real thing might be like five to seven things, but no. Give them three and, and hit them with that message over and 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 for, from now until November. The, the, I know. think the one thing that I've seen um, was from, uh, the last one I saw was from a journalist that um, got to catch Klobuchar as she was coming out. Um, and she was, one, visibly upset. And two, she was like, she w- went directly for the polls. She was like, you know, these people, what they're doing, exactly what you had said not too long ago in terms of these people, they're putting their stuff out now. This is what's come to effect. And they're going to see the repercussions of this because people are going to end up making up their minds along the way and they're going to take it to the polls. And that's exactly how she ended it, cut and dry. That's it. And she, you can see on her face that she was visibly just upset, shaken, everything. She was not having it that day at all. And um, I mean, if you, again, if you're saying that that's definitely going to change people's perspectives in terms of, um, going to vote and making sure that uh, the right people are in these uh, roles that we discussed earlier, then, you know, I mean, that's going to be a huge, uh, a huge uh, positive in, uh, in in their pocket, in the Democratic Party's pocket. If, it, if it's, I mean, uh, 
even mm-hmm. if Biden, knowing it wouldn't pass, right? It'd be performative, but because only because of the filibuster it wouldn't pass. I, you know, now is the time to put out a federal reproductive justice national agenda, right? Like, <laughs> like what, what the Dems are putting out is, you know, how do we protect uh, children and babies after they're born? Like, we're, you know, there's like a, a federal bill right now to expand first um, Head Start and expand resources for low income pregnant women. Um, in the first years of a toddler's life. I mean, like, so there's a federal bill around that, like with the assumption that Roe is going to be overturned. Okay. But what, you know, you know, so that's what, and, and there's some bipartisan, in, you know, noise anywhere around that particular bill. Because one of the things that conservatives keep getting hit with is you don't really give a fuck about these babies after they're born. You only care about, you know, fetuses. <laughs> right? Yeah, right. 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 Like, you know, and so, you know, this gives them some, you know, it's it's not politically expedient because it's going to give Republicans cover around their charge, but it gives them cover. And we also can help make sure that, you know, young mothers or mothers who choose to have a child uh, or are forced to have these children, because we still, you know, the conversation about incest and rape has completely gone out the window Oh yeah, um, in, in the last week. It's, you know, like, even though we know that, you know, one out of every four women experience um, rape and one out of two of every black woman experience rape. So, you know, so we know that this is, um, you know, some real stuff that's going to have some real implications. But that's the conversation. We're not like, you know, so Biden could look really strong right now coming out with him forcing a Republican vote against uh, reproductive justice protections for women. Mm-hmm. But it gives something for people to rally around. I mean, sometimes you just do something to rally around. Jesse Jackson knew he was going to lose the 1984-1988 elections that he ran for under but he was able to mobilize and increase the number of black districts that have black voters through voter registration for people who were going to vote for him. Right. So, I mean, sometimes it's not about winning. It's about what, what can you do to lay a groundwork mm-hmm. to help increase a voter base for your policies in the future? Sure. Um, you know, and how do you energize and mobilize your base? Because right now your base is saying, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and how are you going to protect us against this stuff that keeps happening? Yeah. I mean, and, and, and it's not going to fix the 6-3 SCOTUS, right? You know, I mean, and of course, there's the conversation that can be had about adding more seats to the Supreme Court, yeah, which, you know, the Dems don't seem to necessarily have a stomach for, no. but might be something we need to do in the short term. I mean, the problem with that is that, you know, then the Dems increase it at the next time the Republicans are in, the Republicans increase it to get their way. I mean, it's like, right. so opening up that door. That's a Pandora's <laughs> box that you don't want to deal it's, with. It's, it's on Pandora's box. But, like, right now, the only people who are playing go for broke are Republicans. You know, the Dems are not playing a go for broke. And what we need is a go for broke Democratic Party right now. So, I mean, they're being moderate and mature and, you know, and I'm a moderate, so, you know, I like all of that, but, (laughs) you know, not, but not when the other side is, is, you know, shooting and you come around with fisticuffs. No, they got guns. You can't go to a gun battle with knives. Like, that don't make no sense. Right. You know, exactly. Like, they, they're not playing and they, and they consistently show you that they're not playing. Mm -hmm. Why are you still trying to play patty cake with people who are looking to beat you in the face? Literally slit so, your throat at this point. I mean, like, without you know, and, and swear the Bible told him to do it. I mean, like, oh, oh. 
you know, so I don't know. I mean, again, I'm glad. I mean, it, it, don't get me wrong. Like Mexico is a, a, a Catholic country. It's a conservative country. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I feel very much safer here right now than I do in the States. Yeah. That's that's hilarious because, you know, black people here are not as plentiful, you know, but I, I don't feel safe in the States. Yeah, I hear you. No. So anyway, whew, y'all, we brought it in. Right, we were, you know, for a minute, I literally thought we were gonna bring in at under one minute, I mean, hour thirty minutes, and then we got onto like the talk talk. (laughs) No, I knew this conversation was gonna happen tonight. So when I was looking at our notes, I go, if he's not gonna talk about it, I'm gonna talk about it. But my version might not be as detailed because you would know more. So when I saw you start writing, I was like, yes. (laughs) So I mean, a part of it is, you know, I'm, I'm. I'm so exhausted. I mean, because these are, I mean, and, and I get the impulse to want to say, I told you so, even though it's not helpful, it doesn't really <laughs> move the needle, Yeah, you know, because we, these were conversations we've been having since Obama, really. I mean, even before the Hillary thing, we're like, hey, the Tea Party is dangerous. They're doing, they're, they're really doing some things. Yeah, and like oh, those crazy people—they the crazy people. You know, it's not just a Trump thing. This stuff has been boiling for the last twenty years. That's true. You know, and um, you know, and speaking of Florida, we have them to thank for George W. Bush, which kind of began this Republican Revolution Mm. Part Three, because we had the first, the second one in the nineties. Not all of them. Um, (laughs) And the the first one in the the eighties with Ronald Reagan. So this is the third, the third wave. Of the foolishness, and I was around for Reagan's eighties. That was when I, you know, those are the poverty years in which I was clutching the pearls and talking about Viola, right? right like right. this wasn't cute for those of us who lived mess. through that crime and poverty laden years. Those were not cute years for Black people. Mm, I remember. That's how we got hip hop. <laughs> Boy, New York in the eighties was a scary place. It was not cute. So yeah, you know, Chicago wasn't either. You know, oh, I um, uh huh. You know, and so, you know, hopefully people will learn. All right, folks, uh, that is, you know, we started on a high and a kiki and we ended in a, in a very somber, <laughs> somewhat sober mood. But we got um, y'all thinking, you know, though. But we hopefully we got you thinking and hopefully yeah. mobilizing, you know, this get out the vote. Again, the local stuff matters way more than the federal stuff. Focus on the stuff that you can wrap your arms around right there at home. Who's on your school board? Who's yeah. responsible for the elections, the election boards? Like, who's going to bring in some foolishness around elections? Like, all of that stuff matters. Otherwise, we're going to be watching the fall of America like we watched the fall of Rome and the fall of England. You um, know what, though? But your last line that actually um, goes for Canada as well. Uh, we are going to the polls in June. And it's provincial, but still, it's the same thing. Know who you're voting for. Know who's doing what, who's in the school boards. Everything that you just said there is exactly on point and on T for what's coming up on this side as well. Yeah, it's it's a scary era. I mean, I feel bad for the babies. You know, half my life is over. I don't, I, you know, I'm going to be an old man in a wheelchair by the time the babies figure out how to fix all of this. Um, but, uh, I just feel for them to have to go through yet another wave of this. We like to think progress is always forward and forward motion and it is not, it happens in fits and starts. 
So anyway, folks, uh, we still waiting for your stories. Y'all no, suck. We're still waiting for your stories. <laughs> Let me just still say waiting that. for your stories. Y'all suck. And, and and some of that might be well, some of that might be because a lot of people didn't know get to hear our last podcast because we were having some technical difficulties with the platforms that we worked with, mm-hmm. and we're gonna fix that for this one. Um, but and we won't be on Spotify, folks. So that's actually one thing we probably should announce. Spotify has this weird thing around the music, and we have. Um, I had a podcast series that ran for five years that's on the same RSS, and um, it has lots and lots of music on it, and you can't have music on Spotify podcasts, at least not anything more than like kind of your opening number. So we won't ever really be on Spotify, but we will be on Apple and Google and Podomatic and all the other places. So check Mm -hmm. us out there. Yes, sir. All right. Thank you, everyone. Subscribe. Make sure you follow, like, let us know what you think about this episode. And uh, MC, you want to close us out? Yo, guys, live long and prosper. (laughs) I'm on the (laughs) Trekkie vibe. (laughs) When I should be on a Star Wars vibe since yesterday was May 4th. But anyways, whatever, y'all. Peace, be well, stay safe, and we'll hear you soon. I love that she completely forgot our outro. Is uh, you know, yes, everything in life is story, and what are the stories oh you telling God. yourselves, and what are the stories you telling the world? Uh, take care, people. <laughs>